This week, we finally wrap up this tragic tale of seduction and devastation. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. All right, we are here with our final installment. I bet you guys are ready to get this shit over, right? I promise it's going to be <laughs> worth it. Um, right, yeah. So last week I gave you, I left you guys on some something to marinate on with the the different quotes and things that you know sparked your your brain up to think about this maybe a little bit differently. So on this installment, it's going to be a lot. We're going to go over a lot of shit. I'm going to talk about the family he finally found. Um, it just bear with me. So let's just get right into it. All right. I'm ready. Let's fucking dive right in. Right. So we left off where Manson arrived on his scene, right? You know, we talked about Berkeley. We talked about um, playing in the, the field with, uh, or the, what do you call that? A corridor or something in between? It's it's a, like a courtyard thing. Courtyard. Yeah. Something like that. But we. That's, if, that's the one. If you guys haven't yet, check out on the socials. We posted some pictures and you can see how. Uh, Wild and crazy that little uh, spot of people was in the um, the hate yes, district. Tam- fucking tambourines for days over there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and people would just go take LSD and hang out there because it was legal. Like, they just chilled. Just fucking posted up professional Fuck. homeless style. Yeah, it was crazy. Who wouldn't? Right. <laughs> Let's all get together and trip balls. I love it. So we left off when he arrived on the scene and... Unfortunately, the utopian aspects of that scene had started to diminish. They are started to they started to be a little bit different than, you know, because everybody's getting drugged up. They're all like fucked up, whatever. Like nobody's coherent enough to where they can't. He's not making any friends. He's not doing what he, you know, building those whatever relationships that he wants so badly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. He starts getting back into uh, the music of the Beatles. He starts really just because that's what everybody's playing then anyways. Paul McCartney is just like releasing so much shit and like constantly on TV and on the radio that he's like, why do these? He started studying him. Like, why the fuck do people love him so much? Because I don't think his music's that great. It's good, but I'm better. Lyrically, I'm better is what he kept telling himself. So in nineteen sure. right in nineteen delusional right in nineteen sixty seven yeah. Paul McCartney actually came to hate count or uh, the hate district. Uh, it it caused that like whole place to turn into a fucking tourist trap. So you know yeah. you've got the professional homeless hanging out doing that ro- <laughs> robbing the trash cans to get food. That was a big thing. That's where he learned how to get his ladies to go out and and dig in the trash to find them proper food because that was like a big i guess they were the the diggers is what they called them i don't know if we talked about that a couple episodes ago you know what yes yes yeah so um he kind of studied them as well and was like how are they always eating they're homeless they don't got shit they don't have money you know and kind of learned that way and it actually helped him survive this time in his life well actually the rest of his life because he didn't have no damn money um, yeah, no shit. Just living on dreams. Right. Or <laughs> or delusions. One of the two. Um, or, or a combination of both. Now that this is like starting to become overpopulated, it's not just bringing in the free spirit. It's bringing in a bunch of young, young teenagers. A bunch of rebellious teenagers that want to get away from their parents. They fuck the man, you know. 
I love the Beatles. That's why we're coming here. You know, it's really just a whole collective of people are starting to come to his hot spot. Bunch of runaways. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So the the population started to flood the area. But with the population came a lot of drugs. Um, A lot of allowance. It's not just LSD now. Now or end pot. They have literally whatever you wanted. You could find it in that little uh, courtyard. Damn, just a regular fucking dispensary over there. It literally was. Um, and this is what brought hero- yes. like heroin into the area, too. So, like, they were literally no good. getting fucked up and laying around. Like, that's what they were doing. So That sounds awful, dude. So we got, we got teens coming in. We got drugs coming in. We got fucking Beatles fans coming in. This place is becoming a mixing pot of, of stuff. Like, just a whole lot. Sounds, yeah. like, a, sounds like a music w- festival until I read this part where it also brings in... <laughs> Self-proclaimed prophets and street preachers. They would fucking a. surround the perimeter and just preach all fucking day. You know, because like, we need to save all these teens, blah, blah, blah. It was yep. ridiculous. But we've already talked enough about those type of people. We're definitely not getting into that. You guys got the point. No. So yes. I found, um, I actually found a street publication from the time. So it was like, I don't know, like a newsletter type thing that they printed out and like handed out free in this area, I guess. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a newspaper, but it was like a little article. Uh, it was like a le- leaflet flyer or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe they made them to sell them for like whatever so they could buy food. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever. And the quote that I wrote down was from that leaflet. It says, on Hate Street, rape is just as common as all the rest of the bullshit. So, Ugh. yeah. So that was an interesting change of events. But I guess, you know, everybody's young and drugged up and... I mean, homeless. Great great fucking, (laughs) yeah, great circular. Yeah. The acid that was supposed to help um, them open the doors of their perception and make them feel more free and, you know, explore the deeper parts of them and whatever, blah, 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 they tell you the acid is supposed to do. It also dulled all these young girls' ability to care for themselves, you know what I mean, and keep predators away from them. Because, you know, I mean, they lurked there just like anywhere else in, you know, any other city life. Yeah, uh, and LSD is, it's very, very powerful, you know, and it, yeah. it's not like, it's not like, um, you know, your body weight depends, like alcohol, it's not the same, you know, you take it, you don't know how you're going to react to it, and right. you're that young, and you're just off on your own, like, come on, man. Right, and some people have, you know, bad trips, it just really, there's so many factors that play into it, like these kids, like these 14 15 year old kids had no business doing that you know what i mean no but this is when you know charlie was observing all this he's like he's trying you know taking notes in his head putting that shit back in his pocket like he did with the stuff that when he was in prison just kind of collecting what he thinks are the best things to add to his mecca and he was there the whole time that the summer of love was in it's like huge heyday at this point he just was there observing and he really yeah, what a what a creep, man. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, obviously, that was the most fun place to be, really, on in that time, anyways, because that in California, right there, that's where everything was. Like, that's all the pictures that you see. A lot of that shit is in that area. Because I, I looked up Charles Manson, 1967, mm-hmm. and it shows pictures of what you sent me to post on our Instagram page. I'm like, see, it's all right there. Yeah, and uh, I briefly talked about the diggers that were big in that area. 
So if, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, those are that's like a community of like this group of people. And they're actually legendary. They're a huge thing. I didn't know this, like that their name was the Diggers, but I've definitely heard what they do, obviously, especially because it's connected to this. Um, but they right. live in this area, this little like um, neighborhood of San Francisco. And it was just like a little piece of counterculture that embodied like street theater. So they would always perform and they'd collect, you know, those people that would perform whatever out in the streets. And they. Oh, yeah. Like in Vegas. Right. Um, They always were creating street art and painting for people. You know, the people drawing the pictures. I mean, this all came from the diggers. Like, that's where this all got like, oh, can I draw you guys like at Cedar Point and shit like that? Like, it all stemmed from them. And what? Yeah. Okay. Um, they also used to distribute free food to all the homeless people or the people like in that neighborhood, um, you know, that clearly needed some food. Now, where they got the food was how they got their name, the diggers. They would rummage through the trash of all the local establishments. And obviously this is a hot area, so there's lots of trash to dig through. And they would get the best looking trash and create, create meals and then serve them to the homeless people. Because they Damn. said rich people are wasteful. They don't care. This stuff is good, you know. It, but here was the misogyny part of it. So the male diggers were the ones that got to do the art. They were the ones that got to perform. They were the ones that got to make their leaflets. They were the ones that got to do all the fun stuff. They were the ones that got to serve or or take credit for serving the food to the homeless. They were the ones that were getting all the philanthropy credit when, in fact, it was there are women counterparts who were never mentioned or allowed to be mentioned as members of this counterculture. Um, they were the ones that were sent to dig in the trash. Then they had to cook all the food and separate it and then serve it and never get a fucking piece of credit for it. So Damn, that, dude, that sucks. Right, that pissed me off. But if you look into a <laughs> lot of, like, Charlie, like, different shows that have portrayed him, uh, that was a big thing. Like, he would send the girls out to go get all the shit for him and blah, 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 and... You know, he really he, followed. He was watching. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He definitely took note about all this stuff. He felt that they had like this way of just seducing and enchanting crowds. And he loved that. He was like, that is some magic right there. He even stole some of their like little spiels. Like, oh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Come, you know, pay to listen to me tell you this story. And I don't know. He soaked it all up. Well, it started attracting people to him. So, you know, he's like, oh, shit, this is working. Okay, let's do this. Yeah, he's just reading the room and seeing what works best. Right. I mean, that's pretty genius. It is, it is fucking genius. And eventually he just found a spot that he liked in the middle of the, of the uh, I keep wanting to say corridor. It's not the fucking corridor. In the middle of the park. <laughs> it's Golden Gate Park, actually, was where he found his, his resting spot. And he just started okay. to, you know, play the guitar, wink at women, um, write lyrics that he thought women would like to hear. And then he would, of course, lure them in to listen to his music. And, you know, he's still a good-looking guy at this point. So a good-looking guy playing a guitar, young bitches on drugs, they're going to want to, you know, come over and hang out, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mind you, he's still living with Mary. That's still his girlfriend. Mary is still going to work and providing for him 100%. But while she's at work, he claims he's going to work, but this is what he's fucking doing. (laughs) This is what he's having to do. Typical. He, he, <laughs> right, right. No, he uh, um, started attracting a really large amount of females. You know, this is the most attention he's gotten from female attention his whole life. And he almost didn't really know what to do with it. But he said, I just had to keep going. They obviously, he goes, obviously, my words mean something. My music means something. So, you know, that dream that he clung on to, he's still 
It's just fueling the fire with that. And he would tell them if they wanted to know what they could do to help out the cause or to help this blah, 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 seduce them into finding him food, giving him money, and whatever possessions that he could pawn off. Oh, yeah. Cult leader in the making. Yeah. Yep. I mean, (laughs) and uh, so he's doing this and they're fucking listening. These random girls, they, they come to the park every day. They wait. Where's Charlie? Where's Charlie? They find him. They go sit and they spend the whole day with him. He gets all their shit and then takes it back to Mary and says, look what I've gotten for you, love. Look what I have for you. I went out and provided for you. You know? Damn. I know. And most of his his music was really, really cheerful and about love and this and that. And also about, like, heart. I mean, he's a Scorpio moon. Also about heartache, the dark stuff about what his mom did to him. But that's why he wants to love women in a way he was never loved. I mean, it's his lyrics are pretty fucking dynamic. You know, you throw a couple of good bass drops on there, I'm telling you, I, I'd take a listen. Because <laughs> lyric, Uh-oh. you know how lyrics are. Lyrically, it, uh, it, he does really well. I mean, he's got good shit to say. Because I think the best art is created from when you've experienced actual pain and trauma. Yeah, I, I really that's why that. the that's why the blues are so popular, right? And you can't you can't get that sound unless you've been through some shit. Yeah, exactly. So you know, um, he's out there, quote unquote, working during the day. <laughs> but you know, sometimes yeah. the weather isn't premium. So he had they had a stretch of shitty weather, and his women didn't show up for a couple of days. So, oh no, yeah, uh, he starts to panic. Um, he, his survival instincts, yeah. you know, kick in. Oh God, how am I going to eat today? How am I going to show Mary I provided for her? How, you know, how can I keep that con going at this point? Yeah. You he, got got, bitch. So then he finds the girls that are heavily seduced on drugs, like just intoxicated and just out of their minds, just drains them of every possession they have with them. Drains it. Uh, uh, like how? Like convincing them that. It belongs to him or just yeah. taking it? Yep. No, they gave it wow. to it. Everything I found said that, and that's why they call him such a diabolical person because uh, he never stole anything. They gave it to him. He convinced yeah, them, a, you know. He's a sweet talker. Yeah. And, but I'm, they're all on drugs too. So I don't know, man. It seems kind of, I mean, he was on, he was on drugs too. I mean, he loved LSD. Um, and it was free here sh- and I'm, legal. I'm know? sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, he had sex with a lot of these women. So he was just li- literally living the bachelor life and then going back home to his, the one actual good person in his life. The one actual ride or die, like, ugh, and just playing up that game. That's a little irritating. Yeah. And it sounds like a winner. And it said like, but in- he, go ahead. But he learned that way. He learned that type of behavior from home because, you know, I and I know I probably told you this before, but my home life when I was younger was very tumultuous. And I thought young me thought this is normal. This is what everyone goes through because you don't know. Right. And then when he was supposed to be figuring it out, he got thrown behind fucking bars his whole life you know what i mean right and then learn from these pimps and these scientologists and all that shit i mean it's just such a mess (laughs) so you know he was out there living his best life and he realized one time when he was writing some lyrics or singing or something 
I've lost my mission. My mission was I was going to, you know, recruit followers. And right now I only have Mary. And Mary was the only quote unquote follower for many years. It was just her. And he goes, this isn't what I'm put on this earth to do. I have to spread my word. People eat it all up, blah, blah, blah. So now he was like, I'm going to start to bring them back home, you know? Okay. So, you know, every whatever sporadically, he'd bring a friend back to meet Mary because, but he played it like, Mary, you don't go out. You don't have any friends. Well, no, she's at fucking work, and she never really had many friends her whole life, and she is completely loyal to you. But she always wanted to support him, so she always, like, went on outings or, I don't know, play dates with these these bitches he's bringing home. Um, Damn, what a fucking, what a ride or die, because, you know what, honestly, if... My man came home like, hey, here's my new friend. I'd have some fucking questions, okay? Right. And she's like, man, I just worked at the fucking library all day. Or where I'm just saying, I don't know where she worked at. But she's like, I just paid our fucking rent, bought us food, all this, worked a 10-hour shift, bagging fucking groceries, who knows. And you're bringing some bitch back to the house? And you haven't been bringing back whatever, you know, funds you said you've had for the last couple weeks? Yeah. Sorry, bro. Okay. Right. In many ways, he really started to pick through the ones that were there that had you know that they were really trying to say fuck the man fuck my parents like i'm gonna live my best life and the ones that were there just for free drugs so once he started to select his ones that he felt like were not there for the drug issue he started saying let's go check out venice beach let's go this way like trying to pull them away from that scene and it worked uh while he was at venice beach he met lynette and that was his second actual follower. So Lynette was from San Francisco and she said, Oh, you're Charlie. I've heard about you, Charlie. Uh, I heard they call you the gardener. And he just looked at her. He looked at her and laughed and he says, that's because I take a, I take very good care of all my flower children. Just what, just like you. That's what I do. Oh, that's kind of sweet though. Yeah. And Lynette ate (sighs) that shit up. I'm telling you, like, the thirst was I so feel real. Like, I feel like I would have, too. Yeah, and, well, I, you know, I'm telling you, Scorpios. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Lynette ate that up. She was like, okay, she was like, I know I'm going to do whatever it is to make him happy. I need him in my life. It was like, we're connected. And he felt the same way about her. So, he said, okay, told him the situation about Mary. So brought Lynette home, but Mary clung to Lynette. Like, they had an instant bond, of instant friendship. Damn. She was digging it. Wow. So they are now a thruple. So, uh, and they were really happy for the, I'm, from everything that I found. But. Okay. It was, it wasn't a big enough bedroom. They didn't have a big enough bed. So they decided to find a new apartment. They moved out of, like, the Berkeley area and then went to San Francisco. I guess they stayed in San Francisco proper in an apartment. And th- okay. this was going to be their their new family home. Somehow on his trips to Venice Beach, he, quote unquote, found a Volkswagen bus, you know, to drive his family oh, around. Oh, sure. Right, right. It didn't say much after that. So he's got this bus and he's like, well, let's go check out hate again. Let's go see. Maybe there's some new prospects. He got there. It was drug infested. And then there was a bunch of fucking tourists with cameras. He goes, no, 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 no. This ain't my scene. We're definitely not doing this. He goes, fucking Paul McCartney. It's all Paul McCartney's fault. And he starts to get this anger and resentment towards Paul McCartney. Because, you know, he came and did a concert there and brought them all in the first place, like, a couple years before that or whatever. Yeah, right, right. 
but he would go when, you know, on the weekends or whatever, like maybe once a week and just see if there's any potential people that he could bring back with him. And it was mm-hmm. just, especially on the weekends, it was a haze of like teenagers, young, young girls, um, not not wanting to do what their parents wanted them to do. And they wanted to what? find themselves. What? Go ahead. Oh, no, that was it on that part. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what teenage girl wouldn't just run away with, you know, somebody who's talented and a smooth talker and he loves all of his flower children and yep. things like that? Like, That's exactly- teenagers eat that shit up, man. And it's it's terrible. That's because, exactly what happened. <laughs> you know, you know, predators, right? Yeah. But yes, exactly. I knew where you were going to go with this, but I was like, I got to say it or else I'm not going to say it. That was exactly my next note. Um, But what was different about these girls was that they begged for his guidance, begged like they wanted a daddy. Like, I I want you to tell me what I need to do. What is the best move for me now? Like, Charlie, what do we do? And it was like their desperation need of his approval and things like that where it's just, I mean, he loved it. I mean, obviously, he never got appreciation his whole life. Now these people are just literally throwing themselves. He's all about this. And this is where... I believe that. This is where the Charles Manson we all know. This is where the story we know got started. So... Okay. You know? He, at this time, acquired another follower. Her name was Pat uh, Krenwinkle, I think is how you say her last name. And now... uh, same thing happened with the the two girls, and we've got a fucking Harlem. We've got four at, in their nice family home now. Um, Jesus. And he would tell them all the time how beautiful they were and how he loved them all so much, and he didn't realize he could love all these people all equally as much at the same time. And he's like, oh, but my love, I just, I can love, I didn't know I could love to this capacity. Let's see how far this capacity can go, you know? And Oh, my God. Sounds like Jim Jones. Yeah, it does. But these girls have never, they're not, they obviously have daddy issues. They've got trauma issues. They, they've never been mm-hmm. told they were beautiful before. Mary had never been told it until Char, uh, Charlie started telling her that. Like, you're perfect. Why uh-huh. don't people, you know what I mean? He's going for these women that eat this shit up like cake. So uh, Pat, you know, she, he, she just got recruited into the Harlem or whatever. Well, Pat had a very rich daddy that gave her four credit cards with no limits. Oh, damn. Okay. And he convinced her that he needed them to take care of their family because they were going to be together forever. Um, so now, <laughs> you know, they're living the life. They have... and Oh, shit, yeah. And daddy kept paying the credit card bills because he thought, oh, she was just going to college. You know, it's... Damn. Charlie struck gold with that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Mary loved it, too, because she's not having to pay all the bills. Like, he's actually helping. You know what I mean? It's it's positive for everybody mm-hmm. that was involved at this time. But he was realizing in order for this to, like, work long term, he needs it, – it's kind of like a fucking Ponzi scheme. You know? You got to get a new person to pay the bills from the previous one. I don't know. That's the way that I kind of look at it. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a pyramid scheme, yeah. for sure. You got to pay your way in, basically. And then he was like – he actually loved – the first couple of girls like he loved Mary he loved Pat like these were his core like his this Harlem here was his core people and these were the people throughout the whole time he took actual care of like when he would send his fa- his family out to go you know 
fuck people for drugs or money or lend his girls out. It was never these ones because he did have genuine feelings for them. Okay. But he needed a hoe. He needed a seductress hoe, a real knockout. You know what I mean? That wasn't afraid of free love. That's when he found um, Susan Atkins. So if she's always portrayed as Sadie. Okay. Supposed to be named after Satan, I guess. Because oh, good. She actually uh, worked with the satanic cult leader uh, Anton Levey. Like she, w- oh, wow. she was his private topless dancer uh, that worked in a cab what? in his cabaret that he built for her. That bitch ain't got no shame. She's like None. yes, boobies. Nope. nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, Susan, she was pretty strung the fuck out on drugs. So after about like they moved her in, and they no- started noticing. Oh, she don't have her shit together at all. Like, this is all an act. This, oh, she might be, you know, not good here. Okay. Because they noticed, like, when they were supposed to go, like, he would send them out to do something or complete a task. Like, everybody would be on board and she would just, oh, well, let me go do this for a minute. And come back so fucked up and on drugs that she, they had to, like, take care of her every day. And it was just like, oh, you know, right. This is fucking up our happy home. Um, Oh, but she, she was there till the end. She's there till the end. But even though she was so burnt out. She she literally didn't give a fuck, and she was very pretty. She was, like, the hottest chick that had ever, you know, talked to him or whatever. And she she got the job to seduce male counterparts for the family because they need a couple of guys. He needs some muscle because Charlie's 5'2". He's a little guy. He's tiny, you know? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like— he, I, you know, I know there's I know there's some guys that eventually come into the scene. Yeah. So uh, Sadie is Susan is sent out to lure in the guys, you know, saying, oh, well, okay. if you get to, you know, you can have me, you can have all of Charlie's girls and this and that, you know, the same song and dance that you hear on every Charlie Manson fucking documentary. Uh huh. But it's working and his family starts to grow fucking rapidly. And just as he starts to build his family. A real family comes in. Mary is with child. Oh no! Right. Um, so Susie or Sadie's out there luring in these dudes, and Mary is knocked up. Oh, what what a great family environment to be raising a child in. Right. But I mean, their initial, their Harlem or whatever, the four people in the beginning, they were happy and they were like, okay. I mean, polyamory was a thing for them. You know, it wasn't called that, but. If they would have stopped there, things I think would have been a lot different. But um, yeah, they didn't, and so there's that. I'm not going to go of into the crimes of the family because we've all heard that a million fucking times. I'm not going to waste time on that. Um, just look in any direction you can find that information. But I do want to do like a rundown of the core family that he chose for his own because he's been. I mean, that's the whole point of this. He wants his family. He doesn't have a family. And over the years, there was said to be 100 to 125 followers, you know what I mean, or people in his family. Yeah. People would come, they'd go, whatever, you know, but they, he had a core group. And I'm going to go into a couple of their dynamic placements on their astrology. I'm not going to deep dive into it, but I'm going to give you some interesting facts. Okay, his first... I, I can't wait to hear it. Okay, his first main guy was Tex. That's the one that did the... Uh, Sharon Tate LaBianca murder like he conducted that like he's in every yes. every single thing you see about Charlie you see Tex he was a Sagittarius Sun or is Sagittarius Sun Scorpio Moon Scorpio Venus so his chart is very Charlie's also Scorpio Moon Scorpio Venus so he's finding a good friend you know and Scorpios they stick together 
you know, and hey, yes, we do. Well, he wasn't a bad looking dude. Well, because we're loyal as fuck. That's why. So this guy was <laughs> they were loyal to each other. They treated each other well. They had a good agreement and it worked out for them. Um, he yeah. was a high school football hero in his small town hero. But he also was a very well-known drug dealer and he liked his meth. He was a main supplier Ugh. of uh, a whole lineage of biker gangs and military guys. His whole family was military. So he like literally was selling drugs like speed to everybody. Damn. Yeah. So after all, the, I'm also going to say their astrology points in their chart that like, you know, is I think important. But then I'm going to tell you what happens after Manson goes to jail. We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, <laughs> but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> The show really feels like just kicking back with us at home and chatting about monsters and tragedies, but having a few laughs along the way. Just like we'd be doing if the mics were off, frankly. <laughs> you can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Forever and ever and ever. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. So, after okay. Manson goes to jail, Texas saved and he becomes a fucking minister. <laughs> so, what? Right. Yeah, I don't think so. So, Bobby, he's also Scorpio Sun. He's Leo Moon, Scorpio Ascendant, Scorpio Venus. Lots of Scorpio there. Okay. Bobby was the other loyal yep. dude. These are his two main dudes. He was also a very uh, hefty drug dealer. He also was, was in a biker gang and he supplied to a biker gang. He oh. 100% denies ever being a part of Manson's family, ever. But he was a loyal constituent for years, many years. Damn, but he, okay. he denies it. I couldn't find anything about what he does now, but I mean, obviously he lies. So there's that. <laughs> All right, so we got... He's a used car salesman. For sure. No. <laughs> so we got Mary, you know, the first lady of the family, the literal ride or die. Yes. Uh, Sagittarius Sun, Scorpio Venus, another Scorpio Venus, and a Virgo Moon, which is, she likes perfection in things. So that's why she was okay. kind of the, the, the what, what do you, the, the rock of the, the family. The mother. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we got Susan Adkins, Sadie. She's a Taurus Sun an Aries moon, Gemini Venus, and Aquarius ascendant. She's got air. She's the first person that came in that had air in their chart. But also, she was the okay. first person. They were very disgusted by her, and they didn't know why, you know, with all the drugs and everything. She was reckless. 
but Gemini Venus and Scorpio Venus do not get along at all. That is the worst possible combination because Scorpio Venus, they that talks about your love. They love to be loyal. They're they are beyond the grave until you tell them, I don't want it anymore. Gemini's right. don't know what the fuck they want. They don't know what they love. They it, it's they're all over the place. Um, Clearly. She was the first <laughs> member while Charlie was on trial to fucking rat. She's the one that got him in trouble. She's the one. She's the reason he was. I mean, obviously, there's more reasons, but she was the initial reason. The first person to flip. Oh, and damn. she told it all. All. Everything. I, I believe it because yep. she didn't want to get in trouble for nothing. Nope. Not only did she rat to local law enforcement, she reached out to the feds. So she really fucked, <laughs> fucked them good. Right. Um, wow. Okay. Now she's still living. She's a born again Christian. Oh, aren't they all? I know. So uh, Linda was one of the main people. She came in um, after the guys started to come in. I think she was. Okay. She was dating one of them. I can't remember which one. I don't want to tell you the wrong one. So Gemini Sun, Taurus Moon, and Cancer Venus. Okay. So the Venus sign, the love part, that's two water signs. That should be, you know, they should be on the same emotional level. Um, okay. But that Gemini son, though, she didn't give a fuck. She sang like a canary um, and was the only one in the case that granted full immunity. And she stood outside the courtroom. She She's the one that I told you I found her picture and she fucking terrifies me because she's got this oh. weird smirk. And she stands outside of the courtroom and just laughs that she got Ew. all of her quote unquote family caught. Mm, sadistic, huh? Yeah. So then we have Pat. That's the one with daddy's credit cards. She's also a Scorpio ascendant, Sagittarius sun. So we got a lot of Sagittarius and a lot of Scorpio, which we know that they get along well. Yes, they do. She never talked. She was highly devoted from the age of 19, and she still is devoted to this day. And she says she will never say anything bad about the love that she gained with that family. That is her family. Oh, Yeah. Leslie Von Houten, Virgo okay. sun, Leo moon. Same thing. Never talked. 100% devoted since she was 18. Ride or die. And then there was Ruth Ann Morehouse. The only thing I found on her, because she was very young at the time, so there's not a lot of stuff, she was 14 at the time that she came in. Oh, shit. Um, 14, that's, oh, man, that's well, so young. Her dad was a pastor, and her dad actually picked Charlie up hitchhiking, I believe. What the fuck, man? So, I need to know that story. There is not a lot out there. Not a Damn. lot out there. Damn, because she, she was a minor. Because she was a minor, yeah. And she's a Capricorn son. Mm but she was okay. loyal to the end as well. Because, you know, earth and, and water were the loyal people. <laughs> she even went against her dad. and said, But the funny thing is, is, like, you can see her story in, like, different Manson stories, like, portrayed in a different way. Obviously, she's the only one that was 14 fucking years old. But it's kind of the one. It gets mixed in with um, Pat's story where, like, Charlie. It, sometimes they portray as him. Uh, like telling that uh, Ruth Ann's dad, I need more money. And then it was really Pat that he did that too. But it, I don't know. The, the facts get all fucked up. But regardless. Oh, she, yeah. She was very young, very loyal. And during while he was on trial, uh, she actually, there was two witnesses that she went and took them out to lunch and laced their food, with, which was a hamburger. And it was laced with 10 hits of acid apiece. Oh shit! So she tried to you take out. You are gonna be on a bad trip, dude. She tried to take out the the two witnesses. So oh then, oh my god, what a savage man! Yeah, ten hits each. 
dude, you would be tripping so hard for so long. Like, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine right. just sitting there at a diner and all of a sudden you're like, what the right. fuck? I, yeah. Um, dude. So the most, no. the most notorious follower is Lynette Fromm or Frome, F-R-O-O or okay. F-R-O-M-M-E. And they called her Squeaky. Okay. She's also, okay. she's also got a fucking terrifying picture. Um, I believe she has red. She's the redhead one. She's I don't know. It's creepy. I'm going to look it up while you're talking. She's most notorious, but she had absolutely nothing to do with any of the murders. She found herself not involved. Somehow she always had plans. Didn't want to do anything. Libra sun, Gemini moon, Libra ascended fucking all around air sign. She somehow got herself out of everything. The only thing oh. that she did and what made her so fucking notorious, and I bet that that just like grinds all those Scorpios gears that they did all this shit and got in trouble. And she's out here getting the most attention for it. And she didn't do fucking shit. But she was the one that had some kind of singing presentation or crawled outside in front of the courthouse or something and started that whole like followers crawling. I don't know. It was it's weird. It, that sounds weird. I'm looking at pictures of her, and I can see what you mean. She has like a blank stare. There's, but she, she's the one in the back of the car, right? That's one of her notorious, no, like outside the courthouse. Yeah, yeah, and she's looking out the window. But there's another picture of her being carried, but she's blindfolded. Yes, yeah, she did like I a whole like artistic production outside the courthouse. I guess. Oh, I'm sure she did. However, she is serving decades in prison. Because after this whole thing, when she got her fame, she tried to kill uh, President Ford in 1975 by pulling a gun right at his face outside of a courthouse. What a fucking idiot. So, yeah, right. So she's uh, behind bars. So collectively, his family, um, he chose a lot of people that had the same astrological signs as him. Uh, A lot of Scorpios, a lot of loyal signs. And he had a couple of air signs. And those were all the ones that flipped. They were the, all the ones that fucked him over in the end. I, You know what? I wonder if, like, him hanging out in the library and, like, reading books in the library, obviously he was trying to get Mary's attention and everything. But I wonder if he read something about, like, compatibility. I don't know. I mean, it was the age of Aquarius. It was, astrology was a big thing then. I mean. Yeah. Very, very possible. I wonder. So for all my fellow astro hoes out there, I have a manifesto of his entire birth chart indicators signs placements and it explains so much about his music it explains um how he took the trauma that happened in his life um why he reacted in the ways he did why he chose these people in his family and i'm going to do a separate episode for patreon on that so it is patreon yeah it's gonna yeah we're gonna try patreon again um but it's (laughs) it is bananas it is fucking bananas but for you not astro hoes i still got some shit for you too don't worry i'm all right here we go i'm gonna bring this last consideration institutionalization which it means from a sociological aspect it's here's the actual definition the process by which beliefs norms social roles values and certain modes of behaviors are embedded in a social system basically he he's been behind bars 90% of his life. So he yes. and he didn't want to leave because he felt safe there. He knew how to he knew how to live life there and now yeah. he doesn't know how to live life outside of that. And that was a big exactly. a big core thing for his. I mean, he what was it? 17 out of 32 years he was incarcerated. 17 out of 32. Right. 
Um, signs of incarceration were anxiety, hypervigilance, aggression, depression, social withdrawal, or social awkwardness. They are very accustomedly and so firmly grasping to the routine, the care, the, um, you know, you got three meals a day and a warm bed. You know, you, there's structure there. Exactly. There's structure that he, Exactly. And you don't, when you're out in, in the world and you don't have a direction to go and you're lost, you literally, like, you go back to what you know. Right. And a lot of criminals will do that. Sometimes consciously, but sometimes subconsciously. Like, you know what? It They call it three hots in a cot. Yep, yep. Because you know you're getting three meals and somewhere to sleep. You got a roof over your head. Even though you're a fuck up, you know, at least you know that that place is going to be there. It's not like a homeless shelter where one day it's there and then the next day it might get closed down or there's no more funds or, you know what I'm saying? It always makes me think back to Shawshank. Um, what was his name? The old yes. guy. What was his name? I can't. The Bur- Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. So yes. you know how he lived ninety percent of his life behind bars, and he got out, and now there's cars, there's all this stuff, and he panicked and like, you know, yes, I mean, he didn't exactly. know how to survive, and that's no terrifying and saddening all at the same time. But I mean, yes, Charlie the, literally that had one the same quote, situation. The one quote that he has, he said, "I saw a car once." When I was a little kid, but now they're everywhere. And when he says that in his letter, he walks across the street and literally almost gets hit. hit. And you're thinking, this man is in his 70s, 80s even, and he has no direction. He doesn't know where to go. It's so terrifying. Could you imagine? Because he's, didn't they say he was behind bars 50 years? He served 50 and then they let him out? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, But I would also like to point out uh, the turning point of this tragic story. As we mentioned before, his fucking music career. He was so obsessed with that music career because that was what he, you know, he started to see that that was what changed his life. Like that got people to listen to him. He felt like his words meant something. It gave him self-worth. So when these people betrayed him by saying you have a, you know, when... The dude from the Beach Boys was like, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up, man. Let me just party at your house for all this time, you know. Fucks him over. I think Dennis Wilson. Yeah. And then that guy gave him that promise of going and getting this. So it's like they're literally taking his most vulnerable vulnerable piece of security and ripping it to shreds. That's fucking tragedy. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Like just telling you that your dreams are basically worthless without telling you. But that and that was like the one piece that he clung to that gave him hope in life. And he talks about it all the time. That was the one thing he goes, I really, I really was thought that I was doing something good. And he's his lyrics are good. Like they really are. They make fun of him in shows and stuff. But if you read it lyrically, if you read it as like a poet, like a poem, it's it's good. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah, um, it's it's real hurt. Yeah, it yeah, exactly. But I'm a fellow Scorpio moon, just like him, so we understand and thrive for that, you know tragic uh, <laughs> trauma artist i guess um right you know and but he never really gave up on that dream even though he kept getting shot down shot down you know i already talked about dennis like he just kept uh gary Heinemann. he he just kept trying to find those people that might give him that chance and it just never worked out for him um he was introduced to terry metchler which is a producer that ended up taking his fucking money and using him and it, it was like he was told that was going to be his ticket to fame. It was not. He stole his fucking right. money. He stole, you know, it just. Exactly. He's given the runaround by literally everybody that he 
took an act of vulnerability and for somebody like for a Scorpio person to be vulnerable, that's fucking hard. That is one of the hardest things. (laughs) You it's know, so hard. And these were the people that he was most... Take he, it from us. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, but it... He was vulnerable for the first time with these people after going through all this trauma. And they were the ones that literally fucked him over so bad. I'm sorry. I'd be fucking pissed too. I'm sorry. Um, mm, yeah. I'm not saying what he did was right, but I can see where it brewed. And I can understand um, at least some of that revenge he probably wanted. Yeah. Some of that, like, spite and... Just disdain for someone, right? I I get it. I do, and it's 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 hard because like you you understand how he got to that point, and honestly, the justice system has been that way for a long time. You know, like there's only so much room in here. You know, you gotta go when you gotta go, and I'm sorry, but you can't. You, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And that includes the prison because they just didn't have room for him. And I just, I, I hate to see that his, cause I did look up some of his music and some of it's, it's wackadoodle. Let's be honest. What? Like the sound and, and stuff is very like, you can tell it's, that it's drug It wasn't recorded per, yeah, yeah, it wasn't recorded professionally, but just for him to keep that hope alive within himself even though like he kept getting knocked down, that shows a lot too. He, you yeah. know, he per- he but perseveres a lot. That's a, that's a major Scorpio trait, though. Scorpios are all about, um, you know, death and rebirth. Where the fucking phoenix is, and I'm speaking so much like I know him, but I'll just give you guys a a little clue. My birth chart is very close to being identical to his, so I guess maybe I can see. Some, and I'm going to go into that in the Patreon episode. But um, I'll leave you guys that snippet. Maybe it'll give you some want or thirst to go check out that. Um, (laughs) But a lot of these cases, and we have some really heavy cases on deck. I did some research on a forensic psychiatrist that uh, he created the levels of evil. And I know you and I have talked about it. But for those who don't know anything about there's actually there was a show on um, ID Discovery that talks about all of his work, too. And he speaks on it. It's really interesting if you want to know. He basically breaks down the mind of a serial killer. He breaks down nature versus nurture, this and that, and he rates them from 1 to 22 on the level of evil because of, you know, the traits that they have, the the acts that they do. Okay? All right. Yep. So We the, did talk about that a little did. bit. We did, and we're, I have a couple of pieces we're, I'm going to read when we do other cases. But So his highest level, 22, like the absolute worst. There's only two people that land on that. And you guys will get to hear about both of the people are on there. I'm not going to tell you who they are. Yes. But you're going to hear about both of them. However, I, I thought this was important to bring up because let me read what he wrote first and then I'll tell you why. Uh, he says that evil acts are generally shocking to the uh, shocking and horrible. Um, it's usually very be- bewildering, premeditated, and it involves some kind of... Uh, excessive degree of anger and suffering for the victim that's that's how he defines evil he also distinguishes acts of human motivation such as like crimes of self-defense um crimes of passion um crimes so crimes associated with psychopathy and sociology or so yeah so so sociological i don't know 
You know what I mean? <laughs> how they act around people. Yeah. And um, sadistic manners. So there's a lot of stuff that he pulls into the factors of his scale of evil. It examines like the acts of violence. Uh, was it provoked? Was it an emotional thing? Was it, you know, a thing of yeah. survival? You know, how, what flavors of evil are these? And Charlie landed at 15. 15. So he's out of 22. He's not even at half. Cause I'm telling you people, <laughs> I, ugh, I don't think he's fucking evil. I think I really don't. And I'm, I'm just going to say my piece. I don't think he's evil. I think what he did was wrong, but I a hundred percent think it's because of what happened to him that caused him, that built him into the monster that he was. Yeah. I'm we're, we are a product of our circumstances, right? So, I mean, I'm not going to all of a sudden wake up one day and have, you know, tea time with the queen. You know, I am who I am and I am a product of both my environment and my self, my well-being for my own self. And with him, you know, he didn't have that support system that a lot of people do. And his support was mainly people in jail. And, you know, you don't meet the best kind of people there. So, And another thing that I kind of, it made me think about this when I was, like, going over all the stuff in this case. You know, he didn't commit the crimes, but he did have the he did have people go do it for him um to Mm -hmm. you know and he had his reasons whatever there's some crackpot reasons and then there's some reasons that to me (laughs) i think he did it to test their loyalty if if i'm honest yeah i think that i feel the same way because he wanted to see because he had all those gemini's turn and getting him in fucking trouble all those air signs he wanted to see who are my ride or die people who are going to stick by me? Who really believes in me? Because he's getting literally fucked in the ass in a terrible way every other piece of his life. And yes. this was the family that he built. And he was trying. I can see him being like, I want to make sure what I build is solid. Let's see. Yeah. That's that's uh, and that's he- one of the char- characteristics of a cult leader. But oh, I know. I know. I know. But I just <laughs> I'm not convinced that he's as terribly ridiculous as everybody as they all paint him to be and i i right i don't know maybe that's why i was so intrigued by it or the fact that like our astrological charts are very similar so i can understand some of his things um right but i'm gonna wrap it up and i really thought i i rewrote my ending to try and be dynamic at least 10 times and i couldn't find the right way to close this big you know manifesto so right I think I'm going to close it with his words because his words are very powerful. And I, I just want to leave you guys with his work, not mine, I guess. I'm going to at least give okay. him that credit. All right. So at, at least give him that much. Yes. At his trial, uh, he was given the opportunity to speak to the victims, to address everybody, to give his final words, basically. And these are his final words. Okay. These children that come to you with knives... They are still your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them this. You taught them. I just tried to help them stand up for themselves. Most of these people at the ranch, which they ended up at a ranch, that call themselves the family were just people that you did not want. You discarded them. I know this, that in in your hearts and your souls, you are as much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am. You are just as responsible for killing these people as I am. Neither of us did it. 
I can't judge any of you and I have no malice against you for the lashes that you lay on me, but I have no fucking ribbon either. But I think it's high time that you start looking into yourselves and judging the life that you live and how you raised your own children and ask yourself how we got here. My father is in the jailhouse. My father is in your system. I'm only the product of those who made me. I am a reflection of you because we are the same. And you want to kill me? You want me to die? Huh, I'm already dead. I've been dead my entire life. I've been behind bars for 23 years, and I've been in the tombs that you have built. And I have, like, goosebumps, because that is, like, to just go up there and say that, you know it's, like, from the heart. But it's, like, you know, he's asking them, take a look at yourself. Look in the mirror. Right, yes. Like, look at what you do on a daily basis and you have people's lives in your hands and he's like damn dude that's so crazy yeah oh see now i don't know how to feel telling you <laughs> but she did tell me we want to know how you feel why don't you put in a comment on apple podcast so you can throw us up the algorithm we really would appreciate yeah. it yeah Or maybe, you know, leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, Monsters of the Midwest. Of course, we're on there. We want you guys to comment, especially underneath all of the episodes that come up on Facebook. Go ahead, leave us a little comment. How about, um, ooh, that was chilling, or I can't believe that he just picked up women like that, or whatever, you know? We like to interact with you guys. Or, oh my God, is Amanda a psycho killer too? Because of their birth charts. Who knows? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes. And of course, as we mentioned, we are going to start Patreon. (laughs) We tried it in the past. It didn't really go so well. But you know what? We're going to give it the old college try, okay? We're going to get off the lawn. We're going to go into the building. We're going to give it the old college try and actually get some content up there, some video episodes. We do have some Um, pretty great content from that we attempted to put on there also from our previous podcast. So that will be on there as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a little bit of everything. Also, um, you know, merch coming soon. I want to just plant the seed there because, you know, it takes some time, but we're working on it. And, you know, we always got to end it with the code of the Midwest. Don't talk to that hippie on the lawn. (laughs) Don't ever go out to the lawn with somebody else that you don't know and lock your doors and as always we'll see you next Tuesday